Good evening. Book that brings promises and curses. Israel was lost in their sin. Judah had gone the same direction as the northern tribes, and the word from Isaiah was, you're, you're going to go into captivity. And it was a hard word, and it was, a, it was what was due from a loving father. But intermingled throughout the hard words is promises of hope and promises of blessing and good things to come for those who would learn from the Father's heavy hand. And maybe one of the clearest and greatest uh, foretastes of these blessings to come is in Isaiah chapter 9. We also know Isaiah chapter 53, which describes the suffering servant who was bruised for our iniquities and bruised for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, Chapter 9, you see not the end of his life, but you see the beginning of his life. And Isaiah says, There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. War will be ended, blessings will come, What would be the basis of this? He says, for, because unto us a child is born. This is why. This is why the battle garments, which were blood-stained, will be burned with fire and will be no more. The, The wars will be over. Because unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The idea there is he would bear the burden of governing not only a single people, but all the people in all of the world. And his name, I love this name. We we don't do names in the West the way they did names. Here we just say, kind of like how that name sounds. I'm going to do that name. Those in the East, the name was, it signified something. It stood for, it had deep symbolism. It resonated on a very personal level with the mother and the father and the the person giving the name. 
And this name that was given is one of the greatest names given to our Lord in the Bible. It's so comprehensive. His name would be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I want to hone in for just a moment on the first part of his name. And it, I won't spend too long on this. I'll let you all go home to your families and uh, go on with your celebrations. But that first part of his name, wonderful counselor a person who would give counsel those who were ignorant or those who were confused or those who were wrestling with indecision or struggling between two worlds or dealing with the complexities of life and the difficulties of relationships and what am I supposed to do where am I supposed to go who am I supposed to be And the very first thing it says of our Lord is that his name would be Wonderful Counselor. I wonder where it is that you turn for counsel. A friend, a father, a stranger. I saw the other day what I found to be very strange. It was an advertisement for an online therapy program or a session. Just log on it's totally anonymous it's just you and some person who doesn't know you and they're to give counsel they're to give i thought how's that possible to get good counsel from a total stranger let alone one who wouldn't share in a christian worldview a number of years ago i was traveling in southeastern um Africa, Malawi was, was the country it's just south of Tanzania and it's just to the east of Zambia. And myself and a few others were traveling through Malawi and we were, in, we were doing a mobile Bible school. And so we were going, we'd go from one village to the next giving the same lessons. It was, it was set up on a rotation where you, you, you'd prepare your lesson and you'd do it in this village and then you'd do it in this village and then in this village and that's, that's how it was done. And I will never forget, we went, we, we traveled several hours by car in a Land Rover, the only thing that would get over those dips and the, the roads there put any Oklahoma road or any Texas road to complete shame. We've got the best roads in all the planet, I'm, I'm pretty sure, comparatively. And it took us several hours and we made it to a village and I delivered a message and when I was finished, a young man came up and he spoke with me for a while. And I gave him my notes. He wanted them. He wanted my manuscript, so I gave it to him. And we went home. We drove long distance home, made it back to our home base. And then the next day, we got up and we traveled to another village. It was also several hours away. And it was at least two to three hours by car from the place where we'd from, from the former village to the one we were at now. And after my lesson, <clears throat> the same young man came up to me again. And I was surprised because, number one, 
uh, I, he didn't have a car, didn't have a motorcycle, and I asked him how he made this distance, and he said that he had ridden his bicycle. It was seven to eight hours of a ride on his bicycle to go hear the very same message that he'd heard the day before for which he had the notes. And I write in complete manuscript. I don't do bullet point, tell story. And I write a whole manuscript. My whole thing's there. So he had all of the details there. And I thought, how amazing that this person is this hungry for God's word that he would make this distance to hear the same message again. And it reminded me of a story that Jesus, uh, it, it happened between Jesus and some, some scribes and some Pharisees, and I want to read this and say a couple things about it, and then uh, we'll be finished. Jesus, it says, uh, this is Matthew chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 38, it says, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus, saying, teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Then he says something very interesting. He says, The men of Nineveh, will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Then he said, the queen of the south, and I believe it's in Luke's gospel, he says the queen of Sheba, which is the modern country of Ethiopia. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. I'm reminded that there are portions in history when Jesus had not come to the world yet. And what you had to relay the message of God were men like Jonah, who one day was running the opposite direction, and then decided, because God pretty much forced him, I guess I'll go. And you had men like Solomon, who was profoundly wise, wiser than any man who'd ever lived, and yet he took for himself 600 wives and 300 concubines. I heard a, a child after Bible class say that he, he had 600 wives and 300 porcupines. Which, but Solomon, you had the men of Nineveh and Solomon, and people came from all over the world to hear it, to gain the wisdom, to gain what was there, to repent at this. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. And so the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south will rise up and they'll judge this generation because they repented or they listened to the wisdom and it was a lesser wisdom. And there were lesser signs that were given. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. And you and I now have before us Sitting on his throne, Jesus the Christ, who is wonderful counselor. And I wonder where it is that we're turning for counsel. I will say, this has been my practice, and I would advise it for you as well. 
The scriptures say that if we will go to our God in prayer and ask for wisdom, which is something the world desperately needs, he will give it without holding back. It's one of the only things in the Bible that it says you absolutely can have it and God will give you more and more and more of it. So go to the Lord God, go before King Jesus, fall on your knees before him and ask for his counsel and for his wisdom. Jesus is our wonderful counselor and as far as I can see, having a counselor who's also mighty God, he made me, who's also an everlasting father. He loves me as much as a father and far more than an earthly father ever could. And he's the prince of peace, meaning that the advice and the counsel and the wisdom he will give to me will be peace for my life. And it will be peace for your life as well. So let us all go to Jesus and fall on our knees before him, asking him, the wonderful counselor, for the counsel that comes from above. There is no man, woman, anyone on the planet that can give counsel like he can. So go before him and pour your heart out before him. Tell him your struggles. Tell him your hopes. Tell him your doubts. Tell him your fears. Tell him those points of indecision. Relay to him everything and say, I just need advice. I want to know what you'd have me do. And he will make that known. If you have any need at all, you may let that be known while we stand and sing this song.